Ennio Morricone does the does the soundtrack to Star Wars. Legion wins. That's like a guy doing like sound effects. That's uh I'm surprised nobody's done that. Um for God's sakes, Internet, get on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, how many Star Wars mashups are there? I mean, there is, for, for God's sake, there is a version of Star Wars, I don't know if I showed it to you, where somebody put all six Star Wars movies, episodes one through six, on top of each other so that they play at the same time. It is it is maddening, but it was also one of the best things I saw this year. Wow. It's because, man... <laughs> It's like an art experiment gone wrong, yeah. but kind of watchable. So, of course, we're talking about Star Wars because uh, currently The Force Awakens, which just came out this weekend, is basically the biggest opening movie of all time by leaps and bounds. Actually, not worldwide, though. Apparently, Jurassic... Well, well, no, Jura- well, maybe estimates will need to come in, but Jurassic World actually has it beat by maybe a few million dollars. Like, worldwide... Again, we're met again now we're measuring dick sizes here. But um <laughs> but you have Jurassic World up in like five hundred twenty four million. Star Wars had five seventeen. But again, it doesn't matter. It made a lot of money. Oh yeah. It's you know it, this made so much money that Mel Brooks came out and said that he's going to make Spaceballs two. Yeah. Which made me so happy and yet a little worried because Mel Brooks is really old and John Candy and Joan Rivers are dead. Um, Listen, if you release this film, you'll get, well, more money than you can imagine. I don't know. I can imagine a lot. Actually, you, you'll get it. Well, in Spaceballs, um, did you ever see Spaceballs? Nope. Well, there's actually a joke where um, Mel Brooks plays yogurt, uh, which, oh, man, I have to show you Spaceballs. Oh, what's, <laughs> what have you been doing with your life? You haven't seen Spaceballs. Uh, I probably saw Spaceballs before. I can remember seeing Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars. Which might not be true, but Just it stuck out more all this time running childhood. this crummy podcast, man. It's been keeping me from space balls. I know, but in the movie, Yogurt at one point says, uh, "God willing, we'll all be back for space balls too." The search for more money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to show you that. But uh, but here we're, we're not talking about space balls. We're here to talk about Star Wars Episode Seven. The Force Awakens. I am still amazed that they are making Episode 7. Well, no, I mean, it's amazing that it exists. Yes. That's what you mean to say. Uh, Both. You mean that they're making even more Star Wars movies? I I don't know. It's like... I mean, why is it amazing? Here's the thing. I came to Star Wars long after it was made. So, like, Star Wars was, like, history for me. And then I saw the movies and I loved them. And then, you know, the prequels happened. Yeah. And for a long time, that was it. And. Well, I, mean, well, so, but, well, I guess and, in Hollywood terms, 10 years is a while, but it depends, though. I mean, I think actually it was it was they waited the right amount of time to build up the sort of hype, which makes me worried about the franchise going forward. Like we're pro- like Disney has said they're going to have a new Star Wars movie now for us. Every year for the rest of our lives. Spin-off. Spin-off Yeah, movies. whether it's episode movies or spin-off movies, 
you know, do you want to hear, do you want a Boba Fett movie here? Because he's the most interesting character from those movies. I know. Um, but, but it's not just that. It's like, all right. For me, it was history. So imagine like, oh, the Roman Empire fell in such and such a year. And then imagine like someone came out with a book 10 years after you said that. And then it was like, nope, there was a whole other thing with the Roman Empire that lasted a few hundred years more. See, it I feels to me like there was like hidden history that's now back. Uh, but that, but, no, but, but this is how it feels to me. It's insane. It's irrational. But I can't get this feeling out of my head. But anyway, we saw the movie. We're going to review it for you. Okay. Um, the short I'll of stop it, hitting the table. Yeah, yeah. Please be kind to my table. It's it's been kind to you. All right. It didn't do anything. Sorry, good. buddy. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. All right. Um, I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it quite a bit. Um, now here's the thing. If I had been recording this podcast like immediately after I'd seen it, I probably have even more of a bigger like higher opinion of it than I do. Like three days later, right? To be honest, because now I've kind of let things sort of sink in. I've kind of looked at a mess of other opinions on the internet about the movie, and some I agree with, and some I don't. Right. Um. In general, I mean, I do agree with the basic thing that it met my expectations. Oh. Which was make a good Star Wars movie. Yes. They and J.J. Abrams did succeed in that. Now my question, though. Do you think that he didn't really exceed expectations? Now, before we go on, let's just say this podcast is going to be full of spoilers. Spoilers! Attention! Attention, everyone! Spoilers! Spoilers! Is that good enough? Yeah, so there's going to be full of spoilers. If you haven't seen Star Wars, yeah, I don't click know... click away now. Now, granted... You know, again, if 238 million box office, I imagine a lot of people have now seen it. But, <laughs> but again, but there are a number of people who haven't, and I feel bad for some of those people because, you know, there are some pretty big spoilers here. Yeah, I've had to sometimes with spoilers with movies, I can just go like, eh, all right, it's not that big a deal. Like, I'll actually like I'll see a movie and I'll talk to Corey and I'll be like, do you care if I spoil it? And she'll be like, no. With this movie, I'm being careful. Right. Because with her, I don't want to sh- to spare to share, especially one big thing that happens in this movie right. that we'll get to. So this is it, the last chance. Spoilers. Now we're going on. Okay. All well, right. We gave you our general impression. Now, um, okay. So I mean, the first good thing to talk about, they have there. I mean, there are basically three or four. No, yeah, there are four new characters that we could talk about. Three major characters. Um, who are all more or less really good characters. Yeah, I love the characters in this Yeah, film. I especially, um, uh, for me, it's hard to pick a favorite character because they all have different dynamics. Um, I For me, maybe part of it is a combination of actor and performance. But I was actually very impressed by uh, John Boyega, who yeah. played Finn. And part of that is just because, Especially for this kind of movie, which has a lot of familiar elements, which we'll get to in a moment. He seemed like something new. Oh, yeah. He does feel new. He's something like, you know, when you watch the original trilogy, with the the exception of like one tiny moment when Obi-Wan is turning off the the beam on the Death Star. And, you know, you have the two stormtroopers who kind of have like small talk for a brief moment. You don't get to know any stormtroopers in those movies. They're basically faceless. Here, his whole he has an arc. He has conflict. He actually has like an existential crisis where I've been trained to do one thing, and I just 
I I can't do it. I can't kill people who are innocent like this. One of the main characters is a stormtrooper. Yeah, that's and, he, and by the way, he doesn't he's not even really named Finn and as an incidentally, of course this is one of those things which I kind of found slightly clever. This wasn't one of the things where I rolled my eyes, which I did a few times this movie. His name is FN2187, yeah. which is a very inside reference in A New Hope. That t- The prison cell, 2187, is where Princess Leia is being held. Huh. <laughs> so numbers like that just stick out after you've seen the movie a bunch of times. Right. But he has a journey that is really compelling. Uh, you also have the character Ray played by uh, newcomer Daisy Ridley. Right. Um, I liked her character quite a bit. Um, a little more conventional. I mean, you kind of know what her path is going to be. Um, you know, whereas with Finn, it's like, it's kind of interesting because here he's both heroic, but he also has a lot of funny lines. Yeah. I feel like he is a good comic relief. Um, I've, I've he, seen, you know, he actually, he's excited to be in this position. Right. To be heroic. He, I He breaks out, Poe Dameron from from prison. Yeah, that's the and, he's, and he's talking to him like, I need you to fly me out of here. And he's like, Why are you doing this? And he's like, Because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And po, and, but, that's oh, that's so great. But then he says, It's just because you need a pilot, right? And like, all oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <There> <laughs> but it's just too. like that. Like, that it's something that, as you said, it's something new we've had in Star Wars. Everybody so far in Star Wars has been very earnest, very upfront, rather conventional. <laughs> and finally, we have this one character who is desperate. And is and is constantly trying to reassure himself and just get by. He is somebody who, you know, more than any other character in this film, with the exception maybe of uh, Kylo Ren to a small extent, but he feels like somebody who would exist in the real world. Yeah. You know, because a lot of Star Wars characters, you might be able to see things in their archetypal nature. But Finn is like, okay, this could be somebody who... You know, you're in an army and you suddenly have to, you go, you decide to go AWOL and you're somebody who, you know, I also worked, you know, he also reveals, I worked on the, the Starkiller base, but I was in sanitation. <laughs> yes. Um, so you have them, you have Ray who, um, you know, she's the, uh, uh, she's like a scavenger on a desert planet. Not Tatooine, but Tatooine. Right. Um, which seems to be a kind of running thing. But she planets w- in this movie that aren't the planets, but they are. Right. Like the the the, the moon planet from it's, New Hope. It's is... a pretty big galaxy. Uh, <laughs> yes. No. Um. I mean, she's. I, I like this actress a lot. I want to see her in more things now. After seeing her in this movie, she right. commands a good presence. She's got gravitas. Gravitas. Oh, and you also have BB-8, who you know is a cute robot. He's a cute robot. What else you say? I, I not like, annoying at all. Not annoying. I in the ranking of robots, I mean, I like him more than C three PO, who could be kind of annoying. He, I, I still love R two a little bit more. Something about R two seemed a little bit more endearing, whereas BB eight was very cute, and you know he did things, but he was mostly kind of just like I'm gonna roll around, and do <laughs> things, buy me. <laughs> Um, which is fine. Like a lot of, it's funny. A lot of critics I've seen, like very intellectual critics are like, I want to see a BB eight movie. <laughs> um, oh, then, then let's get to Kylo Ren. Right. Who, um, all right, here's where we get in the spoilers. Uh, We've already given the spoiler warning. Um, Corey. All right. She's in the, in the room. Okay. Um, Kylo Ren is the son of Han Solo and Leia. Yeah. And, 
Uh, it's interesting because he's he's basically try he's I don't know if you could say he's trying to be a dark lord. Yeah. Um, he's not not trying more than actually is. I mean, he walks around with a big mask. Um, you know, he has like temp- temper tant- tantrums. Yeah. When he finds out uh that you know the droids have escaped or the prisoners have escaped or things like this in the story. He takes out his lightsaber and slashes the uh, the console. Yeah. Which apparently other stormtroopers walk by like, oh, we've seen this before. <laughs> um. So that was kind of nice. I I love though how they didn't make that the big reveal for the climax of the film that he was. Han no, they Solo just no. He just takes off his helmet, but and see, and you find that out gradually. No, but before that, it's, he says, he you know he's talking to his master and he's like, oh yeah, uh, you're. They escaped on a ship that you're, that was owned by your father, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." And they they just put it out there very casually. So, well, well, for the, for this story, they I think they kind of had to tell who his father was because eventually what happens. Yeah, but uh, I mean, in a much lesser script, they would have been like, "Uh, whose son is he?" Yeah, we're gonna find um, out. Yeah, and basically, what happens when this movie? I mean, you get uh, Finn and Ray meet up. One of those coincidences that happens in movies. They find this old, quote, garbage ship, which is the Millennium Falcon. Right. Um, they get it. They um, escape. They escape by, you know, just by chance. And by also chance, they happen to get pulled onto another ship, which uh, happens to have our good friends Han Solo and Chewbacca. Right. Uh, so Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, has presence. Yeah. Once again, he seems like he's giving a damn. Yeah, he 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 came to work. He came to work. He he's having fun. He uh he's given some good lines. Probably my favorite exchange was when uh, Ray comments, "This is the you're the Han Solo. You made Kessel Run in fourteen parsecs." And he's like twelve, twelve parsecs, fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> little moments like that are fun. Like there are a lot of good little lines that they have that they give Han Solo in what, the movie. When uh, have have I ever double crossed you? Yeah, uh, twice. <laughs> yeah. What was the second time? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so basically, you get into a. Now let's get into some things. All right. So what I liked, like actually, the first act of this movie, all the setup, I thought was great. I thought so too. I thought like, oh man, you're bringing me into this new world, and even though there is familiarity, you can kind of feel from a new hope. I didn't mind it. It I feels like different. I feel like I'm bringing, I'm being brought in by the filmmaker into this world, and I'm being interested by the filmmaking. The filmmaking right. is really strong. Uh, the way that Abrams was directing it, no lens flare this time, or very little, yeah. um, which was nice. Um, you know, pretty, you know, good use of CGI. I mean, there are a couple of characters in the movie which, you know, I don't know how you feel about Snoke or Smoke. Or I his name was. feel. I don't know. I feel good about him. I, I mean, I like that Andy Circus is playing him. But here's the thing: when he when when he first appears, he looks like a monster. When he first appears, I I thought he was like a hundred feet tall. Yeah, but that and that he was, and then when I realized, oh wait, it's just a a projection yeah. of him. I'm like, that's genius. Why like, hasn't anyone done that before? I mean, that is smart. I mean, I, I kind of wonder if when we finally meet him, he's like four feet tall. Yeah, but. That's the kind of thing I wonder when I see the movie again. Is that going to hold up? I don't uh, know. It still sticks out. I mean, that whole image of that of it's that throne bad. room still sticks in it's my, all right. in my head. I, 
I think it's just because of the CGI-ness. It's like you have a lot of... Abrams is trying to bring back practical things in this world. Right. A lot, you know, real ships, real sets. In, in large part, real monsters again, or real creatures. Uh, sometimes, you know, he, he can't, you know, it's we're in 2015. He's going to use motion capture and CGI. Um, but again, that's a small thing. So again, the first act, really strong. Second act, good. Third act, I think I have some problems. And I agree. Yeah, the third I, act it gets messy. is where things, I think the film starts to lose its focus. It starts to, I don't know if I'd say it falls apart, but again, look, here's the thing about this movie. It takes a lot from A New Hope. Right. It, like, so much. I mean, again, if you were to take, in screenwriting, you have this thing called the spine, which is like, you know, the main parts of a story. Think about it in this way, if you kind of be abstract. A story about a, uh, um... Somebody fighting for the, quote, resistance, rebellion, who sneaks some very important data onto a robot. The robot gets sent uh, to a desert planet. Desert planet is met by this person who has, uh, you know, nothing right. really But as life. you said, you know, again, fo it follows a lot of similar steps, but still it doesn't feel, Not until, it doesn't feel too worn. Only until they uh, – the problem is, too, they're also putting in a lot of stuff from Empire. Too. They're cramming in stuff from Empire as well into the framework of A New Hope. It gets very dark in, like, the second half of this movie. Right. And I'm not totally sure, you know, again, part of the thing with the original trilogy, the first movie, yeah, you have moments of peril, but it's mostly a light, fun adventure. Here, Abrams was trying to have his cake and eat it, too. I'm going to have a fun space adventure, but also going to have a lot of really dark things that happen. Um, and... Let's just let's now. Um, I will say okay. Let's get into the big spoiler here. Han Solo dies. Yes. Uh, you heard here, folks. And let's. I should play like taps or something at this point. Um, that was handled okay. I. I mean, think yeah, it could the, have been handled better. You know what it was because it felt again. That's one of those things that felt familiar in a way that was a little distracting because once again you have this confrontation between a father and son on a bridge and a character falls off at the end. It's just all these things, which, you know, maybe in the moment I'm wrapped up in a lot of the emotion, but I know like in the back of my head, I'm thinking, all right, can't you do something a little bit different? Cause you've been doing a lot of different things up to this point. My problem wasn't that of what exactly happened or exactly how, well, maybe the, the problem was, is that, the moment that scene began, I knew how it was going to end. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's there was no, there was no tension. There, it's just, no. It was predictable. No, that scene was predictable. We, I could see right from the moment that Han Solo steps out on that bridge, what exactly is going to happen. Yeah. And it didn't need to happen that way. I mean, I don't want to complain about about Han Solo dying. I mean, maybe, I that's not a bad idea. Uh, it, but but it, you, they could have given it some sort of tension because I didn't, I, I didn't feel as much as i felt like you know that's one of the major characters not just in star wars but just in pop culture right and like the audience i was with i just you know you hear kind of dead silence you would think you'd hear like a <gasps> you know gasp and i heard like nothing you know and i think also for me too it was just like well okay that happened and now we're we're stuck with chewbacca yeah. Which that was the thing that I that's what that's the reason why I didn't want to tell Corey because it's like, all right, it's one thing that they're killing Han Solo, 
but Chewbacca lives. Yeah. It's like for it's like I, for, it's like for people who were there when John Lennon is shot and Yoko Ono's alive. In a way, it might have been more effective if Chewbacca had died trying to save Han. Yeah. And Han was left alive. Because people love Han Solo, but there's also this cultural love for Chewbacca too. Yeah. And, and Chewbacca they, like he's just there's no one who doesn't like Chewbacca. If he except had been for, except for Corey. If he hadn't been <laughs> If he if he had been killed, no one would have seen that coming. Yeah. That would have been a real surprise. And you know, it's the kind and of it would thing... have made sense because, you know, they're they're friends and and, and you yeah, know, there would have been all this remorse and people would have hated Kylo Ren even more. Yeah, you kill basically the you killed the dog. Yeah. Like that's basically what Chewbacca always was. He was the faithful dog who um yeah. Who you could talk to. Now the other thing with with this movie, I feel like in the third act, there's kind of I don't know if I could say this is maybe where I get into like film critic talk, but it has like pacing problems where, okay. So you look at something like in a new hope, you have this very clear thing where, all right, the, the, the X-wing fires are going to go to the death star. We have this very clear mission and we're seeing these ships going after the death star. You see the various ships, you cut back maybe occasionally to the inside the death star or on the base. You have that here. Uh, I mean, you have the X-Wing fires who are going to destroy the Starkiller base. Right. And then you also have um, the confrontation between Kylo Ren, Rey, and Finn. But it's like, I almost forgot about the Starkiller thing. It yeah. felt like that kind of drifted into the backdrop. And then and, and suddenly that... they cut back to it and it's like, oh yeah, this is happening. But like, but what's the... I feel the stakes of that mission. Right. And... and... Let's not forget that that the mission feels so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> well, Han Han Solo even says another one. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way, I don't I don't really mind the I don't really mind Star Killer Base in mm. principle. I mean, it seems I, I I get it. It also, but it also seems like the kind of thing of okay, here's the Death Star on steroids. Yeah. Which I feel like again the problem with Jurassic World. I know you didn't see the movie. But one of the things that movie felt that they decided to do was, okay, um, this movie, you know, we're not just, you know, we need to make a new dinosaur. But what we're going to do... Spoilers for Jurassic World. Skip ahead. Good? Okay. Because this is kind of a spoiler. Instead, we're going to take a Velociraptor and mix him with a T-Rex and other stuff and make, like, this big mega dinosaur, which is basically just whatever. But it's this idea that... It's like a Terminator dinosaur. Yeah, like, and the one thing I would give Jurassic World credit for, at least they kind of had kind of a meta consciousness about, well, people want to look for bigger and better things. You know, and this is Jurassic World. It's a theme park. You can kind of get the logic behind that. Whereas here, two Death Stars have been destroyed in this universe. <laughs> yes. You know, already. You, think, you know, it'd be one thing if there had just been the one Death Star, but then you also have the second Death Star. That yeah, and I was built. talking about when we were when we were talking about Star Wars last week, how like bringing back the Death Star for Return of the Jedi that seems pretty kind of lazy. Well, I mean, it was kind of interesting that it was still under construction. I mean, I guess maybe Lucas's idea is that uh, corporations and by nature empires will keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean. Uh, this is a very uh, come on, but com- there were plenty of other well, more a, interesting a, well, ideas than well, rehashing the 
destroy the Death Star plot, and then it gets more or less sure. rehashed again in here. Yeah, now, in I a mean, w- granted here, I mean, yeah, okay, this time instead of destroying one planet, it'll have the power to destroy a few planets. Although that was an effective scene. It was effective, but it kind of like it, it kind of happened so fast that maybe on a second viewing that will be it more interesting. Right, and and, and there are some lo- logical and logistical problems with a with a planet sized Death Star, but that go through my mind. That I but I don't want to think too deeply because yeah, it's not what the, the I mean the other for. thing the other thing too. Okay, so here's where I'm going to sound like an idiot. Okay, <laughs> oh, idiot spoiler. So that whole like wintry climate thing, is that inside the Star Killer base? It's on the surface. On the surface. Oh, it's that... like they converted the planet into. Because I, I, uh, at first a... I thought the Star Killer base was its separate thing, and I, this is why I need to watch them again. See, this is where I'm an idiot because I thought the Star Killer base, that wintry area, was somewhere else, and the Star Killer base was its own entity. And yeah, I still feel like the pacing problems are a little bit there. Also, all right, so let me ask you about this with Ray. Right. All right. So we discover midway through the movie, or she discovers um, from the little not Yoda, but Yoda character, um, that, you know, she kind of has the Force. Right. And she discovers Luke's lightsaber. She has this sort of flashback sort of thing, which. That also felt new, although I've seen that yeah. in other movies. We've seen it in other movies, but we haven't seen it in done Star with Star Wars. Wars. I guess, which is fine. Maybe that that's one of those things that I guess I'm guessing they're looking to pay off. I, but it didn't movie. answer. But it was didn't answer many questions. It, it yeah. said it deepened the mystery. No, in fact, but it actually created more. It was or, an effective what, flashback. It was effective. Now here's the problem. Okay, it's fine. You can say it, she has the Force. It's even fine. That you know they they have that scene where Ray is captured and she's being interrogated by Kylo Ren, and there's the, they have this very tense interaction where he's trying to get her information and she's using the Force to stop him. Okay, but so there's that, like, and then there's also right after that she kind of uses the Jedi mind trick to get the guy to open up. By the way, don't you need? Didn't we kind of learn through the the movies that you need some training? You have some intuitive force if you have kind of Jedi powers, but what? But what's the level of the powers? It just seemed a little bit off to me. It was a little off. It seemed like it did seem it, like it, it was se- a bit much. It seemed like it was a callback, but without context, but without the sort of context in the scene. It's like okay, she's just discovered in movie time a few minutes ago. Oh my god, I have kind of force powers and I have this thing that I, I know what I need to do when I find Luke Skywalker. Um but how did she have that much force ability? How did she know to do the Jedi mind trick? It's yeah. like these little logical questions which It's a bit you know, of a leap. It happens sometimes in these Abrams movies. By like the- you know, like, it even happened a bit in the first Star Trek movie, and much more in Into Darkness. By the way, that scene with the stormtrooper one the one with uh ray where she does a De- jedi mind trick yeah do you know who played that stormtrooper oh, was that daniel craig that was daniel craig oh okay because well <laughs> i saw on the internet that he was had a cameo but i didn't know that he was that stormtrooper yeah that okay. was him well, well good for him uh apparently someone... I, li- I like to think that daniel craig somewhere like 
in like his house has like stormtrooper action figures or oh, something. Course. Well, I've actually heard Simon Pegg has a role somewhere in the movie. Yeah, I don't know where. He, he might have been a pilot. I don't know. He could have been somebody in the not Cantina but Cantina sequence. He could have been Admiral which... Akbar for all I know. How do you feel about that? By the way, that was what? that I think was the moment where I started to feel like the fan service so to speak, kicking in. When they go to this temple and they open the doors and it's just, oh, here's a cantina. Uh, I I felt a little bit off about that. They never spent too much time on that. No, it just felt like, okay, well, here's another cantina sequence with different aliens and different, you know, music. It is a a cantina sequence, but it doesn't play out the way the cantina sequence did in No New Hope. No, but at least, but in A New Hope, it felt a little bit like there was some buildup because you're in Moss Eisley, you're seeing what the environment is, and you can believe when you go into this bar where you know they also meet Han Solo that this is about to happen. You know, Han Solo is taking them to this place. I didn't expect a cantina. I almost expected like some kind of temple with like I don't know stuff. I don't know. Again, so I mean, so what were some? Were there what were any other small like issues possibly? Well, uh, I think the ma- film's major flaw is that its second half does lose a little focus and, and becomes a little too familiar. Yeah, uh, it start- that's where I felt like the fan service really kicks in. I don't, I don't think fan service is a huge problem. In, in this case, I'd um, say it's rather muted. It, at times it is, and at times it's not. Like, okay, so at one, for example, um, what is it, that, that character who has two lines of Phasma? Right, the, the the character they tried oh there to... is there is a flaw. <laughs> that you, oh you mean the the action figure that they happen to try to make a character that there's not enough <laughs> that, of that character and then no it, the that, character that was, that's a Captain Phasma disappears from the narrative. Oh yeah, disappears from the narrative and not in a way where like I kind of knew that Poe Dameron was going to come back. All like right. I didn't know why you know because at first they try to make it seem like. Oh my God! Did he die on this planet? But then he comes back in the third act, and by the time okay with it, by the time he comes back, you've forgotten all about him. So it's like, oh, there. Well, I mean, I could have a problem with that, but I like Oscar Isaac so much that, and he's so great in the role. I really can't wait for him in episode eight. So you don't mind? No, no, I don't mind that. But with Captain Phasma, it's just okay. You're the head of the stormtroopers, and you do nothing. Yeah, she doesn't do much. No. I mean, but she conceptually, she's interesting. She has a very interesting look. I mean, she's uh, she's high ranking and it's a woman I, leading these stormtroopers. Yeah, and and she and she makes her presence known in that, like when Finn yeah. he takes off that helmet and she yells at him. It's 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 the Boba Fett problem. I mean, it is a problem with. I guess you could say it's symptomatic with. Well, except, you know, part of George Lucas's whole thing with a lot of these movies where I'm going to sell toys and I'm going to create a character like Boba Fett who has four lines. And even though a lot of people think he's a badass, it's like, what you know, Boba Fett, is he? Boba Fett was kind of like a fa- was a fan made phenomenon. Though. Well, d- then could F- Captain Phasma be like the new fan made phenomenon or that's what they were trying to do? Well, but the thing is, we know she's coming back. Yeah, I because guess. she because that actress is signed on for the next film. But the point is, though, she's not anywhere near as interesting as the other new characters. No, no, I, it's just it, it's uh, it's right. mishandled. But I was but the point is, I was gonna get to though. There's a moment where I think they uh, 
Han and I don't know if it's Finn. They say, what are we going to do with him? Put her in the trash compactor. Yeah. That's something where I was sitting in the theater and I just went, oh, God. Really? <laughs> like, there are just... It's I, I I guess you know he couldn't help himself. I mean, if you're J.J. Abrams and you've loved Star Wars all your life, I mean you're bound to put in little references. But that took me out of the movie for like I, mean, I, I got back into it. Yeah. But it's just like, did you really have to go there? It's like it didn't take me out of the movie because I didn't think that was where that whole thing was gonna end. No, but even just that reference was just. Ugh, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm nitpicking, but I I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't bothered by it. I, I I remembered something else that's kind of been bothering me about the film. Please, the scenes between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Oh uh, yeah. Well, it seems kind of force stilted, and yeah. there's something not right. Something about maybe Carrie Fisher. I you know she's unlike you know Harrison Ford you can criticize a lot of the movie choices he's done over the years but he's constantly been working he's right. a movie star Carrie Fisher she pops up here and there she's yeah. not really an actress she tried to do it for a little while start became an author instead uh, and she's it's funny because she's extremely charming in interviews if you look at any of the interviews she's done to promote the movie she always shows up with her dog which she's named uh, like. Barry Fisher or Larry, F- she's named her something. He's named, she's named her dog, and it's, she has very charming, funny interviews. But yeah, I mean, she's basically the problem is too, and this was something that I didn't think about until some critic online brought it up. It's like her character in 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 what she does. It's like she hasn't changed since episode four. It's like I'm le- helping lead the resistance, which. Oh, by the way, that's another question I have. So in this world, okay, so instead of the Empire, now we have, out of the ashes come the the First Order. Right. And I get the sense that this is the... Uh, now, they're not in charge, though. They're trying to fight the the actual Republic. Right. Which, again, I, I haven't read a lot of those tie-in books or whatever it is. I'm, so basically, I'm going the... on the movie's lore. So you get the sense, okay, at the end of it, Return of the Jedi destroyed the emperor we've destroyed the new death star the empire's over we're going to restore the republic and bring back democracy and all that why does there need to be a resistance shouldn't it just be like the republic's army nah i don't know why <laughs> i there I know, there are things there are odd. there are things i've read that explain that but within the movie itself it doesn't yeah. address why there's a resistance i mean i guess yeah, but that's the thing, though. I'm trying to watch it as a movie, right? And you're not giving me enough context for that. You're just kind of throwing me into the situation. And yeah, the First Order—they're compelling a, a villainous villain. They're compelling villainel element. Element. They're compelling villains. Thank you. Thank you. Um, of dramatic crit- criticism. Criticism. I am drunk. Um, but. That's just something that I kind of ponder, like when I watch this again. Like they, they really up the uh, the neo-Nazi imagery with uh, the actor Domhnall Gleeson is yeah. the one who's like yelling at the all, the whole rank of stormtroopers. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's funny too because earlier this year I might have told you about a movie called Ex Machina, yeah, which you still need to watch. That has both Domhnall Gleeson and Oscar Isaac, huh. um, and uh, also and Domhnall Gleeson's in The Revenant. He's in a lot of stuff. Like Oscar, both of those actors are kind of blowing up. 
Um, and by the way, if you want to see John Boyega, he was previously in a movie called Attack the Block. Right. And he was excellent in that. Um, so, again, it's... Um, I The movie leaves me with a lot of questions at times. And like I said, the pacing just felt off somehow in the third act. It felt like he was trying for a lot of tying together these storylines you know because it's one thing that you know if you're in a new hope you're following luke's story you know you might go occasionally to darth vader but you're following luke's story here you have ray but you also have kylo ren you have han solo you have all these things that you're trying to tie together and at times they're doing it very well but by the time of that last act like there are things about it though that are still striking like the lightsaber fights are kind of cool and how sloppy they are. Yeah, because you they've have become Kylo... a lot, a lot less neat, a lot less neatly choreographed. It's a di- that's that's different because in the prequels it's very super choreographed. Right. In the original trilogy, you have where, uh, like in the New Hope, it's kind of slow. Yeah. It's more like an old uh, two old knights fighting. It's going back to the sort of original trilogy. Form. Um. I don't even know if it's gone back to the original. Tr- Maybe in a way, but it's seeing Finn, for example, seeing a character who's not a Jedi wielding a lightsaber. That's different. When he picks up the lightsaber and fights Ren, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, this is unpredictable. Somebody could get really hurt here. Yeah. Um, but again, I just had questions about, you know, like, like I said, Ray's sort of powers, the sort of Han Solo death. We both kind of agree is kind of troubled. Um, what do you think of the very end? That's kind of interesting. I kind of wish they had saved it for the second film. Yeah. For well, the eighth isn't one. it kind of a cliffhanger though? They usually do those in these movies. Well, I mean, they're unanswered questions, but it's not always a cliffhanger. I uh, I felt like it wrapped uh, things up just a little neat. Well, it's um, yes and no. I, I kind of wish that they had been like oh wait here's the rest of the map to luke let's go find him and then there they finish there Uh, but still it's not bad another question i had though too with uh with r2d2 so he's just like kind of off and like see derville says like oh he's at low power he can't i don't know what's wrong with him it might be the end of him or something all of a sudden he just like zaps up do you think maybe like luke activated him or something it seemed random it seemed just odd and then like you know it's kind of cute seeing him BB-8 interact. That's one of those little moments where I'm like, aw, two little awesome robots. You know, it's like I, this is just a side note. When I was at Comic-Con uh, last year, like, when I first got there the first day, somebody had, like, an R2-D2 yeah. rolling around, like a life-size one. And I got a picture with it, and that was one of my highlights of the con. Awesome. Um, my yeah. nephew loves R2-D2. Yeah. Um... So I think we talked a lot about Force Awakens. Uh, yes. I think it fits. It's a nice. It's an interesting leap into the next Star Wars lore. I mean, I am interested in Episode Eight. I'll Me too. That. I'm interested in what will happen. And like I said, this is. I'll say this is a good movie. It's not. It's not perfect. It's not great. I, I'm sorry. I and I, again, I I think it's really good at times. I just and again that first act, oh, like I I want to experience that the most. It's just like for example that whole introduction of Ray where she's going inside the old uh, yeah. Death uh, Death Star and Star Destroyer Star Destroyer, sorry, and you know she flies by it and you see in the background it's just 
Okay, that's a kind of, that's a nice moment. That's something where, okay, you're setting up 30 years later, and you know, not only is this world still kind of dirty, but now you have the relics of this old empire just kind of around in the background. That's great. I just, you know, there are just little story things that I wish could have been a little tighter. I'm not going to use the word fan service, but little references that could have been excised and you wouldn't have lost anything. And you also would have made this movie a little bit tighter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, final thoughts. Chewie should be the one who's dead. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, uh, there's there's somebody in my household who's going to agree with that after we see the movie. And I don't know why she hates Chewbacca. Like, it's so irrational. That, that might be a good local vocal to do. Why do you hate Chewbacca? <laughs> <laughs> I should almost bring her on right now and ask her why she likes... Uh, actually, you want... Uh, hold on one second. Why don't you tell the viewers how you can uh, how they can contact us? All right. While Jack goes to get his wife, let me remind you that we are on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, at the Wages of Cinema, just search for us there. You'll be able to find us. Uh, leave a comment, uh, like, and subscribe. Make sure you leave a review if you can. And uh, it really helps us out. It's a very simple question. Okay. All right. Um... Uh, should I have you next to Andrew? There, come sit down by. Uh, come sit down where I was. Okay, um, this is just a short thing. Um, so, uh, what do you have against Chewbacca? I have all the things against Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chewbacca is the Antichrist. There is nothing worthwhile about Chewbacca. His voice is the sound that makes the baby Jesus cry. Everything about him is annoying. His face is annoying. His sounds are annoying. His stupid, like, weird, like, chest belt <laughs> is annoying. The fact that we have to pretend that this guy is a real character when he cannot articulate I have always any wondered about that thoughts there. and feelings. <laughs> he never really uses it, does he? I resent the fact that we're supposed to care about a character that's a total cipher and is merely obnoxious. I mean, you when don't like I the character has a pet. When I hear Chewbacca's noises, I pray for the sweet release of deafness. <laughs> I hate Chewbacca. Uh I, I think this I think this is a deep seated psychological issue. It goes Wait, back so, to so when did you like was it like the, first the first time? time you ever saw Star Wars? I've always like, hated hey, Chewbacca. Always. Oh, not even like when he won the MTV Lifetime Achievement Award, that <laughs> which actually happened, by the way. Well, I don't know if you're allowed to use blue language on your podcast. I so. might have to bleep it out. I can't. I saw that. I watched that in real time. And even when I was a diehard Star Wars obsessive, even when I would watch the movies over and over again and read the tie-in books and play with my Star Wars action figures and write my own Star Wars fan fiction, which are all things I did, yeah. <laughs> even when all of that was going on, I just thought to myself... Chewbacca. <laughs> I hate him.
Uh, in we're fact, gonna, we're going to take your fan fiction, bind it, and that's going to be the title. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, very relatively early in our courtship, oh, yeah, Jack, my husband, I I stopped reading the Star Wars tie-in books when I was like fourteen, yeah. but. Relatively early in our relationship, Jack bought me the Star Wars book where, I guess, spoiler alert, even though I don't even remember the title of the book, Chewbacca dies. He dies, dies, dies. (laughs) And it's awesome. Even though they give him, like, a stupid, noble, self-sacrificing death... Instead of, like, I don't know, an autoerotic asphyxiation death, which is what I like him. That's what the Jesus. film is for. <laughs> wow, you just went dark. So in, other words, so, in other words, that's why the Star Wars Holiday Special is the greatest thing ever made. Yes. <laughs> a mo- right, a, 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 a movie where you get like five <laughs> minutes at the very start of nothing but Wookiee growls. I have lots of thoughts and feelings. I could tell. <laughs> so that's just why I wanted to have you All on there right. to talk about them. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Corey. No problem. All right. All right. So now that that crazy person's out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> just go back to yourself. Yes, uh, move along, move along. All right, so um, let's talk just a couple more myths about Star Wars. Um, Wait, we can't, she's back. Well, no, no, this isn't <laughs> about the movie, this is more about the legacy. Um, I don't know, do you think this fits into what George Lucas probably saw in Episode Seven being? Really, right now, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. out, of, it's out of his hands. Like, not just physically, but I, ever since Star Wars has made it so huge. It's yeah. like... It's its own It doesn't thing. matter anymore. I know. It's almost like... I kind of... Uh, I look at George Lucas in a way like Walt Disney. He's somebody who, you know, you can't... You know, the guy who created Mickey Mouse and Snow White, it's just like, wow, you are on a level that's just... You know, a few people can touch you. But after a while, you kind of stopped caring about certain things. And we saw Mickey Mouse in, like... You know, crappy cartoons. Mickey Mouse became kind of ossified in that he, in, while starting out as this very animated, very uh, interesting, well, not not much. Well, of a not character. interesting, but he was fun to watch in those right. early shorts. I mean, but as uh, you know, as Mickey Mouse became more of an icon, what he could do on film became more and more limited. Yeah, so I wonder if it's it's kind of I don't know if you'd call it ironic that. You know, somebody who reached that level of kind of pop culture iconography, like almost monolithic status, like George Lucas ended up giving away his empire to Disney. Well, well, not giving away, sold it for a lot of money. But then he gave the money away, so. Yeah, well, you know, good for him. Yeah. Uh, that was nice of him. All right, but there comes a point where you make something and it becomes so big that, yeah, it's you, bigger con- than all you control it legally, you control it financially, creatively, you control it to a certain extent, but then you never, re- you can never really control the spirit of it. Yeah, it's like, I, um, it's like I once uh, saw an interview with Roger Daltrey, the Who, and they, and they asked him, like, why do you still go on tour? You're an old man. It's like, well, the Who's bigger than all of us? You know, we kind of got, you know, maybe money also has to do with it. But, you know, if you have this passion for your, you know, what you've done through your life, you want to keep going at it, which, right. you know, a lot of people look at that as being Lucas's downfall. So, 
Uh, actually, actually, here here's another question. Where might you? This might be. An, I don't know if you would need more time to think about this. Where might you rank this? The yeah. other Star Wars movies. Oh. Uh, I rank it below. Uh. New Hope and Empire. I'm not sure yet if I like it more or less than Return of the Jedi. Because even I'm, though I'm, I have problems with Return of the Jedi, like watching it again, I kind of got caught up in how, a lot of like the classic parts of it. Well, to be to be safe, it's it's better than the prequels. It's di- not as good as the original trilogy. It's yes. sandwiched in that but, and, middle zone, and it may and it does compete for jet with Jedi for quality. Yeah. I, mean, I I'm going to see it again. And you know, when it comes out on DVD, I'll probably get it. I, uh, so, you know, and it will take time, time to truly find out what its legacy is. That's the same for a lot of films. It was the same for me, you know, with the prequels. If I, if I had been a teenage Jack doing a podcast, I would have gotten out Phantom Menace being like, huh? Maybe do I rank this above Jedi? Yeah. <laughs> well, believe me, that would have been like I actually remember having that conversation with a friend after we left the movie. Yeah. And of course, the hype died down, which was, like a lot of people I've seen on the internet have kind of questioned. Okay, right now you're saying this is the, like the best Star Wars movie. Let it, the hype die down a little bit because yeah. a lot of people loved Phantom Menace when it came out. I like, loved it. Like Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, that exists. Um, I, but, and uh, the Dark Knight got had its had its moment in, in the sun, and then people realized the problems with that. Right, or else some of them did. Some people still love it, but you know sometimes it, it can be tricky. I mean, with each successive movie, like one problem too, like the way that I said it when I got home and I wrote on Facebook. Actually, I was I was leaving the theater. I quickly typed on Facebook. Like, this does basically, this did to the Star Wars franchise what, incidentally, J.J. Abrams did for the 2009 Star Trek, which, I don't know if that's a good comparison. You've seen that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It gives you, it it, it gives you, it gives a kick in the ass to the franchise. It gives it fresh energy. You have characters which, you know, even though in Star Trek those are characters you knew, they felt rejuvenated, they felt alive. I mean, again, it wasn't perfect, but no. you felt a connection to it. Uh, it was great seeing old Spock again. Um, so I compare it to that. You know, the danger is, what if episode eight is, like, into darkness? And you really get into the references right. there. You know, granted, what what makes me hopeful is uh, the next director is this guy, Rian Johnson, who I, I really like from a movie he made called Looper. Um, and uh, also another movie called Brick. Um, he seems like a pretty smart choice. And then of course, you know, again, it's now I feel like we're entering this new age where, again, I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with star Wars in general, because, you know, for the past 40 years, we've had six star Wars movies. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of created something in the consciousness where, especially that gap between Jedi and Phantom Menace, you had 16 years without a movie. You had a whole generation built on those three movies and then you had three movies, which kind of lowered the bar a little bit for people. Uh, now you have this new movie, and now you're going to have a movie every single year. Is it going to maybe dilute the brand a little bit? Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, That could be a danger. I, at that rate, not everything can be good. No, I guess there will be a point where we'll get we'll, we'll keep getting Star Wars movies. You know, Some will be, be better than others. It'll be kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I get. You know what? That is probably exactly what I think. Dis, uh, 
Well, Disney also has Marvel, so that's probably what oh, they're looking to do. Oh, one with Star cinematic Wars. universe not enough for you? Okay, Disney. Here you can have two. Speaking, of, man, I'm like, you know, okay, good for Disney. I'm glad. I'm happy you have a new Star Wars movie. It's good. It gives me a lot of dread to think about all these cinematic universes. Like, if you ever look sometimes on the movie news websites, the amount of proposed cinematic universes that are coming out, like there's going to be like a King Arthur cinematic universe. Ooh, I think. that's good. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm actually just going to quickly uh, Google this because now I'm actually kind of curious. Um, okay, let me just run through this really fast because I know we don't have that much more time. But twelve cinematic universes currently in development. All right, what do we got? Call of Duty. Um, I mean, this is a given classic uh, horror from Universal. All right. Which, well, I mean, so far we have Dracula Untold and Victor Frankenstein. So we'll see how those go. Yeah. Um, well, Ghostbusters, which, uh, I mean, let's see how the, the new one is. I, I have no opinion about that whatsoever. I mean, I hope they make a funny movie. It's hard to well, talk yeah, the I, first one. You hope every new movie is good. Yeah. But, you know, you um, see how it's of good. course, uh, Hasbro. Yeah, which, I read about that one. Which, I mean, I don't know, though. I want, I'd want. i love to see the G.I. Joe gem crossover. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the movies that might be coming up. I mean, you have G.I. Joe. Couldn't be worse than Gem and the Holograms. Uh, well, all right. You have Micronauts, Visionaries, Mask, and Rom, Space Knight. Which, oh, like, I, you know, I, this is just, I, I feel like I'm looking into the soul of greed incarnate when I look at these stories. What's the I mean, next one? All right. What's the next one? All right, all right, right. Don't After lose that, hope. Come on. All right. Uh, Jump Street, eh. which, you know, the funny thing is with the Jump Street movies, at the end of 22 Jump Street, the whole end credits, which, by the way, again, Chris Lord and Phil Miller made those movies. They're awesome. Um. They have a whole joke about the whole new series of Jump Street movies that are going to come. And they show, like, posters and quick trailers for, like, ten movies. And it's great. <laughs> but as I was even watching it, I'm thinking, no, you're giving Hollywood good ideas. <laughs> um, you know, it's like 24 Jump Street, foreign exchange students. 2121 Jump Street. Uh, 25 Jump Street, a semester at sea. So... Again, pretty funny, but until it happens. <laughs> okay, that's that's um, I mean, Lego, that actually could be fine. You know, there's a Lego Batman uh, movie coming out. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. With uh, Will Arnett. I think so. He might be coming back. Um, Valiant Comics, which I don't have much of an opinion. Which is a on thing. That. Which is a thing. If you are a fan of Harbinger, look forward to Harbinger Two and Harbinger Wars and nerds um of course we have star wars we have more transformers movies yeah great wonderful yeah. which beautiful why not um i have to wonder uh, now in this list they put x-men but i felt like x-men is actually going to stop after next year but but after that there's also uh deadpool which is coming in february gambit the new mutants x-force Untitled third Wolverine film and a new Untitled X Men TV series. In other words, for, for Mar in other words, Fox isn't letting go of that. No, which is sad because it'd be nice one day to see, uh, you know, X Men back at Marvel, but it's probably gonna happen. And of course, Marvel. 
And of course you have DC because Disney needs more money. <clears throat> I wonder again, I, I just, <laughs> DC. something about, something about this whole thing just doesn't, I feel like there's, I, you know how they, you know, like when you had like the, the housing bubble and you knew it's like, okay, this thing is going to pop and burst and it's going to be terrible. And then it did. I feel like we're looking at the franchise bubble some point this thing's gonna burst I well think, that's I know, the, that's I, I know he looks like you don't care that's but. that's the pessimistic view no i'm well, pessimistic but you know in hollywood so many movies come and go and then like you know the, hollywood has waves and trends i mean we've talked probably before about how popular westerns used to be and now you get maybe one good western every three or four years well is that a bad thing I no mean, but but i mean they're not get... but they're not like a cinematic Instead the Western of, is kind of dead with the occasional blip from, like, Tarantino or something. I mean, instead of getting dozens of Westerns of varying quality, we're getting a good one every few years. Oh, hopefully. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a discussion for another time. But the point is, um, with Star Wars, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to have a good universe going. All right. And uh, will you do, let me do the honors of closing this one? Please. I'm just going to take a page from uh, Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. No matter what happens in the future, I'm happy right now. <laughs> wow, that is an excellent note to end on. Um, right. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, that's a, and if you have any thoughts about Force Awakens, I'm sure a lot of you do. You know, Like Andrew said earlier, you can email us at wageofcinema at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. I actually didn't say that, but thanks, Jack. Okay, well, now I'm saying it for you. Uh, Facebook.com slash uh, Wages of Cinema Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Wages of Cinema. We also have a Tumblr, which I haven't updated as much as I would like to, but I'd like to do that more. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, Stitcher. We're on any one of those three apps, so hopefully you're listening to us on one of those. Uh, if you want to give us a review on iTunes and subscribe, that would be very helpful for us. And uh, when we come back next week, uh, we're going to start a new year and close out the old one. Yeah. So we're, we're going to finish up our list and we have an event and what comes next, I suppose you'd call it our next season. We have an even bigger, more ambitious project for you. Yeah. Well, uh, in the future, you know, things will happen. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. So, for that's, the Wages of that's Cinema... That's what I meant to say. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And the Wages of Cinema is death. Have a good, good night, night and a Merry Christmas.